welcome ladies and gentlemen to another Romeo Carey podcast. So this documentary interview takes us back to 2012. I've put a couple clips online. YouTube, when I post a clip, these come in pieces usually because I'm restoring some lost, uh, some lost content. When this posts, it's an easy hundreds of thousands of views in just hours. It's the, the notorious and hugely popular uh, Jordan Maxwell, who is considered the world's foremost authority on ancient religions and modern conspiracies. He is a walking textbook, a literal, a literable, formidable museum, a walking library. I mean, he, he, uh, he will give Google a run for its money. I mean, his work on the true meaning of symbols, logos, and company insignias, I mean, has fascinated audiences for better than 50 years. His, uh, and this is the world over. He's international. He grew up in a, in a family that uh, you know, basically had high ranking and gave uh, Jordan you know, some insights that you know, the normal person wouldn't really have. I mean, this was the insider kind of knowledge of international politics and religion. He had access to behind the scenes information that, that few people could imagine, you know, especially during the early years of talking about 40s and 50s. This type of thing intrigued Jordan and set him off on a lifetime of, of investigation. I mean, I mean, and this is years. Imagine spending your whole life devoted to this, this passion of who runs the world, who controls the money, the politics, and almost every facet of life without, you know, you knowing about a thing. I mean, is such a thing possible? It is, and and Jordan lays out the case. I mean, having devoted a lifetime of studying to uncovering the hidden masters, um, and he's been doing it his whole life on radio and all his TV appearances. He he was on a CBS uh, television special years back with he was he was doing exposés on exactly what he knows. But he is the lead, the world's leading authority on this. You talk about the decoder of cryptic language. What a fascinating, fascinating character. So what I've taken is I've, I've pulled and compilated at least the second half of what I've pulled out of a, a vault. And my vault, I've got hundreds of interesting uh, artifacts of interviews and, and uh, on-set types of uh, material that I'm pulling off old, you know, beta cam and, you know, one inch and film and audio recordings. It's just a, a plethora of, of fun stuff. And so without further ado, I give you the notorious Jordan Maxwell. Take it away, Jordan. I wanted to do is just be a conduit for all kinds of strange and interesting things that people, generally speaking, don't know. And, you know, so many people in this country feel helpless. Well, it's because they are helpless, because they have no power, because knowledge is power. And, and so if you have no knowledge as to what's going on, you can't fix anything. So that's the big problem in America today. People have no idea in the world what's going on or how the trick works. And it is a trick. America is a very powerful country, and it didn't get that way by being kind and courteous. It got that way by, like, the British. The British, I mean, the British Union Jack flag has a cross of St. Andrew, the crisscross, and then it's got the cross of St. George on it. It's called the Union Jack flag. So you got two crosses. That's why they were called double crosses. The whole idea of the British have always been double crossing. They've always been lying, cheating, uh, manipulating. It's an extraordinary story. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. When I talk about the British, I'm not talking about the English people. I love the people. But if I'm a white guy in, say, a, uh, a black country in Africa, and I get thrown into jail, uh, and I'm the only white guy in the jail, the first thing, uh, the smart thing for me to do is get everybody fighting each other. So I tell one guy, you know, you know what he said about your mother? 
And another guy, you know what he said about you? And before you know it, I've got everybody fighting each other. Good, let them kill each other and leave me alone. That's what England does. England gets everybody fighting each other. And then they come in and buy up the property and, and end up owning it all and do it all behind the scenes so that no one should ever know. And that's why they're a bunch of double-crossers. And I, I, as an American, I'm just amazed at how the American people just fall all over themselves for the royalty and the prince and princess. You know, nobody likes to be talked down to and treated with disrespect. Nobody. Would, you know, how many times would you would you want to be in the company of people who look at you like you're, like you're trash under their feet and won't even talk to you, have nothing to do with you? And yet, Americans love to crawl on their knees to see the queen mum as she rides by in her gold chariot and flips a cigarette out at you. Uh, you know, and her Prince Charles and all these princes and princesses, and they live off of the off of the sweat and, and, and the blood and the sweat of the of the working people, and the people and people love it. So, as far as I'm concerned, you know, we get what we we get what we pay for. We get what we want. People love to crawl on their knees to their masters and to uh, important people, politicians. It's all business. You need to understand this, that all of life is considered commerce. Everything is business. Everything is based on commerce. You need to look up the word commerce. And I got a lot of that stuff I'll show you later. And uh, if you look up in a law dictionary, look up the word Congress. Because we like to talk about how the United States has a, has a Congress. Do you know what the word Congress means? Sex. The sexual, the sexual act is referred to lawfully as Congress. You co-rest, then you Congress. And, and, the, and the very word commerce, the very word commerce has to do with sex. It's a, it's a sexual term, commerce. So that's why if you're getting married, you have to have a license. You know, why do you have to have a license? Well, because, it's, because you need to understand that you are a corporation, your body is considered by law to be a company, a corporation. And if you're going to do business with another corporation, which is fine, but you have to have, you have, to have a license, right? So, um, and, if the, and if the project doesn't work out, you're not going to God, you're going to court because it's a business. You have a partner. <laughs> so if I see you with some girl and I tell you, you know what, I think she's bad company. And you say, mind your own business. Company, business, partner, we're talking commerce. That's why you have to have a license to get married. You have to have a license because the marriage is considered a commercial venture. And so uh, this is why attorneys have to have a license to, to practice law. Uh, the reason why is because it's, it's a business. They're going to make a lot of money representing you. Well, how are they going to make the money representing you? Well, it's because of their knowledge of the law books. So you cannot take a story that I write and make a movie out of it without talking to me first. That's mm -hmm. my story I wrote, and you take it to make a movie. No, thank you. It don't work that way. You come to me first and talk to my attorney and pay me up front if I allow you to, to use my, my work. Same thing with an attorney. Uh, you're going to use a book the law books to represent me and I'm paying you what well, you need to you need to get a permit from the people who wrote the law book because you're using their their work then when you find out that uh, all of America laws federal state county city laws all of our laws in America are copyrighted in Canada for the British all of our laws are all copyrighted for the British so we're living under British maritime Admiralty law I mean it's a fascinating subject of how the world really works. I mean, uh, I, 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 there's so much to tell you and so much to talk about. I don't even know where to start. But, but I do believe I'm more interested in my personal life. I'm more interested in theology and religion uh, and the ancient world uh, in relation to theology. But I realize that there is a very important need for people to understand how government works and how the laws work. Let me give you an example. We talked about this before. If you have a two-story building and you're going to put a lot of weight upstairs, like 
printing presses or whatever. The first thing to do is to go downstairs and get on a ladder with a building inspector and go up through the ceiling tiles and see if the floor is going to hold that kind of weight before you go building on it. So what you're doing is you're standing under the foundation uh, to get understanding. That's where the word comes from. So if you haven't gone below the surface on everything, then you don't understand what's going on. So you need to realize that all the things that we see every day, the words and terms that we use, why do you have police? You have police because, well, that's a whole different story. <laughs> I could get into that when we get into government and how America was founded. But uh, it's just an extraordinary, fascinating world of words and terms. Why do you go to court? You play basketball and tennis on a court. Yeah, so, and how do you play tennis on a court? You play with a racket. Come on. So would you understand the words and terms and, and the catchphrases that the professional people use in these, in these uh, different disciplines? Um, you begin to see how all of this is a manipulation of words. And put an S in front of the word word and it becomes sword. Because words can kill you. You know, when you go into a court, the whole idea in a court is to put the ball back in the other guy's court. So you've got one team, a team of lawyers, and that team picks the ball up and throws the ball back in their court. Now that team picks the ball back up and throws it in your court. And so the whole idea is a game. It's commerce. It's business. And the judge is ruling from the bench. The word bench is a bank in Latin. So therefore, the judge is ruling from the bench. That's why he gives you a bench warrant. If you, if you don't show up in court, you get a bench warrant. Bench means bank. The law is not care, doesn't care about you. The bank cares about you. Now, you were going to pay a lot of money in fines, and they were going to make a lot of money off of you, and you didn't show up. So they issue a bench warrant. And again, you need to realize that courts are nothing more than a commercial endeavor. And why do you have a, 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 a fence and a gate in a courtroom? And people go in and sit down, and but there's a fence and a gate. What does that mean? Well, the gate is a water gate. Because the idea being is that the people who sit out here on this side are under the law of the land. We've heard that term, law of the land. Yeah, people live on land. However, once you walk through the gate... You're now in hot water because the inside the gate is maritime admiralty. Inside the gate is on the is, is rule. The rule now is not on the land. Now you're in water because that's all there is. It's just land and water on the earth. So once you're in a courtroom and you walk through and you put your hand when they call your name and you put your hand on the gate and open the gate. That piece of wood across the, the gate that you opened up is called a bar. And you're not licensed to pass the bar. So that's why when you open the gate, it's called a floodgate. You are now in territory of water. And so now you're in hot water. Someone's going to have to bail you out. <laughs> and because you're 90% water, if somebody can't bail you out, they're going to put you in a cell. Because you're a biological, electrical, water Maritime Admiralty product. They're going to put you in a cell. Well, let me let me better go back and explain that you are a corporation, and and the, and there's two ways of of explaining this. <clears throat> you are a business, and that's why I don't want you putting your nose into my business, right? <clears throat> it's because you are in fact by law a business, a corporation. That's why when you die, you're a corpse because you were a corporation. Now you're defunct. You're, you're out of business. But how do you tell? See, there's there's two of you. I don't even know where to start on this. Look at, <clears throat> you ask anybody, how many states are in our federal union, are in our, in our union in this country? And people will tell you there's 50 states. There is not 50 states. There's 100 states in our union because there are two states in every state. First of all, say in California, you have California State. California State is California. But the word state of California is not California. State of is, is a word that's used in maritime law to denote the federal government 
operating inside of California. So state of is federal. So you have Cal State Northridge, Cal State Long Beach, Cal State. Cal State is the state, but state of California is federal. So now you need to know when you go into court to play the game, uh, whether you're going to be in a, and uh, you're going to need a lawyer or an attorney. Because they don't mean necessarily the same thing. Because it, the words, words and terms and, and, and how this stuff really works. And the judge in the courtroom, I forgot to mention, the judge sits on, uh, he rules on the bench, as I said, which is a bank. But uh, the judge wears a black robe. Why does he wear a black robe? Black robes are very important symbol. It means something to people who know. This is why, uh, you know, the, when kids graduating from school, college, or high school, wear black robes. Uh, Darth Vader wears a black robe. Dracula wears a black robe. Um, black robes represent something very important. It represents the planet Saturn. The planet Saturn well, is referred to in the ancient world as Lord of the Rings. We're still making movies in Hollywood, Lord of the Rings, which is the planet Saturn, Lord of the Rings. And the ancient people were told to listen to their god, so women would wear an ear ring. Men were to get married before their god, so they wear a wedding ring. Get it? Lord of the Rings, Saturn. It's it's everywhere. And so the you know, and, and the the Hebrew, the ancient Hebrew and the Hebrew people they celebrate something called Sabbath, which is a uh, holy day, which is Friday evening to Saturday evening, because they count their days from evening to evening. Why? There's a reason for that, too. Very simple. But um, <clears throat> it has to do with moon worship. I'll get into that later. But uh, but Saturn was, as I said, referred to as Lord of the Rings. And um, what was I saying? Where was I going to go with that? But it has to do with uh, the use of terms and words that uh, today people don't understand the connection. Um, there's so much going on in my head right now. I'd like to be able to express, but there's just so much. I don't even know where to begin with this stuff. Say it again. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, okay. Um, well first of all, there, the way the government is set up today, <clears throat> well, let's see, where would we start to make sense on this? First of all, if you say that you are a U.S. citizen, what you think, like if you go to a, a bank or go into any big corporation or whatever and fill out an application uh, and they ask you, are well, you a U.S. citizen? And you say yes. What you think that they're asking you on the application is, are you lawfully in America to, to do business here? That's not what they ask you. Any good attorney would say, I didn't ask you that. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm asking you, are you saying of your own volition, out of your own mouth, are you testifying that you are a U.S. citizen? And you think, well, of course I'm a U.S. citizen. I, I'm perfectly, free. you know, this, this is my country. I'm a U.S. citizen. No. That's, that has nothing to do with you being lawfully in America. U.S. citizen means that you are an employee of a foreign corporation, which was incorporated in Delaware back in 1871. It's a privately owned company. There was a company after the Civil War was incorporated in Delaware. And about right about 1868, 69, 70, and then 71, so there was a privately owned company incorporated. Well, anybody can incorporate a company, anybody. But you have to have a president of the corporation, a vice president, and a secretary treasurer. And so, so there was a group of men got together and formed a corporation called the United States Corporation. And basically, in that corporation, anyone who works for that corporation would be called a citizen. So to and so it's, it's called a U.S. corporation. It's a privately owned company, and so what you are saying, if you say you're a U.S. citizen, is you're saying that you are an employee of a foreign corporation, because the corporation is not in California, it's in Washington, D.C., and so that's the corporate headquarters, and so, but you are working for them, so you are an employee of a foreign corporation. And therefore, uh, you are a corporation. You are an, a franchisee, I think the word is, franchisee. So it's like if you open up a McDonald's here 
you are not McDonald's. You're merely a franchise. You're merely one of the McDonald's. And so the idea being is that the corporation, privately owned company in, in, in uh, Washington, D.C., is a corporation that has a president, the vice president, secretary, treasurer, uh, and you are an employee of that corporation. So therefore, in California, if you're living here and making money here in California, uh, you are a franchisee of a foreign corporation. And you're working here making money in California. If you go back to the 1849 Constitution of California, 1849 Constitution of California says that California will never, ever have a state tax. So there is no such a thing as legally, unlawfully, as a state tax in California. We don't have one. But if you are a U.S. citizen, which means you're an employee of a privately owned company called United States Corporation, incorporated in 1871, then you are a franchisee of a foreign corporation. Therefore, you don't pay the California state tax. You pay the California Franchise Tax Board because you're a franchisee of a foreign corporation. California has no has no state tax. Say it again. So the way, well, first of all, it's a, it's a very, very, um, it's a very dangerous subject to talk about in public because there are ways to do it, but you have to understand what, what you've gotten yourself into. Let me explain something first before we get into how to get out of it. Um, all ships, everything is based on maritime admiralty. Everything is based on the law of water because there's only land and water on the earth. So the land, as I said, in a court, the people are on this side are, on the, uh, are under the law of the land because they live on land. But inside where the judge sits is water. Okay, it's, it's maritime admiralty, the water. And one of the words... A word that is used in, in, the, in the ancient world for, for the sea was mer, M-E-R, which gives us mermaid. And so, uh, and so we say that the water, the waves are enchanting. So it gives us the word merchant. And so the merchant, is the, it's, it's like music to his ears, the money coming in. And so it's a merchant. And so how do you get in to do music, uh, to do business with the merchant is you go through the front door. It's called an entrance, no entrance into, you, you get entranced to go into to do business with the merchant. You need to understand that everything is, is basically in, in law based on water. Now, when all ships, and I'm giving this preface to answer your question later, all ships, rocket ship, sailing ship, I don't care what kind of ship it is, all ships are female by law. You always have captains saying that, oh, she's a wonderful ship, or she's a uh, seaworthy ship. All ships are female. And so when a ship pulls into harbor, it parks at the dock. And where it parks at the dock is called its berth, B-E-R-T-H. She is sitting in her berth. And so she ties off at the dock. And so every piece that comes off that ship, uh, say, for instance, $800 million worth of Toyotas coming off that ship. Every single item coming off that ship has to have its own certificate of manifest. It's called a certificate of manifest. As, as they bring the car off, does they have four doors or two? The air conditioning, what color is it? And so every ship has to have its own paperwork. It's called a certificate. Because she has brought, uh, the, the she's brought the product in. She, women, produce the product. <laughs> and so when she's sitting in her berth and every item coming out of her has to have a certificate, it's, that's why when your mother gave birth, she was in labor and she gave birth. And so you have to have a birth certificate. And so the birth certificate's got to be signed by the dock because that's where the ship is sitting, by the dock. So, and of course, if you if you're taking off one of those cars and it falls down and crashes or a TV falls and breaks, uh, that's all right. It was stillborn. Didn't get the, you didn't get to make any money off of it. And that's okay. Those things happen. But you have to have a doctor sign the death certificate. So the doc has to sign your certificate. And once you understand that uh, banks, banks, are, banks run the court, and all banks pretty much are backed up by the real powers of a bank 
is based basically uh, insurance companies. Insurance companies are the brains and the power behind the bank. That goes back to the corporation again. So today, you are not free. In New York, they have something called the Statue of Liberty. It's not the Statue of Freedom. Liberty is what a sailor gets when he comes into port. You get liberty, not freedom. You can't just decide to walk off the ship. No, you talk to the captain. Why is a captain? Because a captain occupies a position by law as God. I don't know if you know that or not. But all captains of ships have the position under maritime law as deity. They're like God. <clears throat> That's the law. So a captain on a ship can do whatever he wants. If he, if he doesn't like you, he can put you in and in, 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 in lock you up until you get back to port. Because he's God. Once he's in that ship, he's you know, he is the law. And so why we call him a captain? Because he represents capital. Capital is the money. You don't have it in capital, you can't do anything. So it's, a, it's, it's really an interesting story about how words are used to manipulate, exploit people. Um, and so, as I said, when she gives birth to you, you have to have a birth certificate because that's why all your vital signs are on that certificate. You know, what color was it? How much did he weigh? Uh, did he have two hands? Or, or so? Because why? Because you are a product. She produced you. And so uh, the product becomes a commercial thing to be bought and sold. And here's what's very interesting. Your body, your physical body is a security on the New York Stock Exchange. Let me show you something. In, in, when you take out your Social Security card, and on the back of your social security card, I have one here, I think. You know, here it is. On your back of your on your social security card, if you go to work for a corporation, say like General Motors or Ford Motor Company or some Sears, some big corporation, you normally have a name tag that that's that says that you are lawfully in, employed by this corporation. And so the, the social security uh, number is your number in the corporation called United States Corporation. This is your your tag number. All right. However, uh, on the back of the uh, on the back of the Social Security card uh, is a set of numbers. On the very back of, of your Social Security card, on the bottom, uh, these numbers are in red. They don't have to be in red, but often they are. These numbers represent your physical flesh and blood body. That's what's in red. It represents your body on the New York Stock Exchange because your body, your physical body, is being bought and sold uh, on the stock exchange. So that's why if you take uh, money, you take the dollar bill, you will see a series of numbers, the serial numbers. And if you take the back of your Social Security card and put it above those numbers, you will see they're, they're matching. So the idea being is that uh, the back of the Social Security card is your body on the New York Stock Exchange, which is backing up the currency in America. And so that's why, you know, there's a whole story about how you are a commodity on the, on the Stock Exchange. Incidentally, you are worth, uh, from what I've gathered from hearing the people who know, they're saying that your body is worth something like $6 million on the New York Stock Exchange. And that's interesting because if that be true, which I think it is, uh, that means that you're worth six million bucks right now yourself. Um, the, you know, there's so much that, I, that that you need to understand about how the corporation works. So how do you how do you get freedom? Well, for one thing, first of all, you have to understand that you are not free. If you're a U.S. citizen, you are an employee of a foreign corporation, and they own your body. Therefore, to get away from that, you have to get out of the system. And the the laws have changed now because 9-11, 9-11, as far as I'm concerned, my opinion, and I've only been looking at it for 53 years, but my opinion is 9-11 was a setup job in order for the government to be able to do certain things that the people would never allow. But like Adolf Hitler did in Nazi Germany, he had his own people go out and burned down the Reichstag building. We know that. We know that from history now. We know that Hitler sent his own people out to burn down the government building in Berlin and scared the PYs out of everybody. Yeah, well, <laughs> God knows we can go down the line. Way too many. Uh, as a matter of fact, I should keep this out because we can talk about that.
uh, the symbols on the dollar bill. That tells you a lot, too. I started talking about this a long time ago, 45 years ago. Incidentally, when, when, you, were, when you were saying that um, I have been uh, influence, influencing the, uh, the, the liberty movement, the freedom movement, I really have never been a party to any movement uh, at all, ever. I've never joined any organization, and I was doing, I was doing what I'm doing uh, 53 years ago, back in 1959, 60, 61. I was going around town giving lectures on secret societies, who prints the money, national cults of arms, college, tre you know, national treasure kind of things, uh, who wrote the Constitution, where did it come from. And so I've been doing this stuff for many, many years. And uh, obviously at the time I was doing it, nobody knew what I was talking about. But uh, the, the basic story I've been trying to get out for all my life is that nothing in this world works the way you think it does. Nothing. The U.S. government is not what you think it is. It's a corporation. It's a company. It's like, it's like Baskin and Robbins. It's like uh, a Target. It's a corporation. It's a company. So are you. You're a corporation. And, uh, and so how do you tell the difference? Or, or when, when, because there are two of you. As I said, there are two states uh, in every state. Well, there's two of you. There's the, there's the one that God created, the one that, that your parents d uh, gave to the world. But there's also the, the legal you. Now, understand this. There is no law on this earth, not federal, state, county, city, nothing. No, com no law in the world applies to your physical flesh and blood body. The reason why the logic was in the ancient world and especially in the Middle Ages was all the kings realized that nobody can control you. Even your mother can't control you. When you were a baby, she had no control over you. And nobody knows what's going on in your head from one day to the next, so nobody can control you. But the kings wanted to be able to have control. So how did they do it? They're very simple. They created another you. They created a, a, a legal, lawful you. They call it a straw man. And so they created a document. And the document says that it, it, the, the document has your name, your address, and everything on it, which is you. Then they ask you, would you sign this agreeing that your body is represented by this thing I created? I'm the government, and I created a document and it has the same name as you, so would you agree that this document represents you? Please sign it. Sign it! I own you! Tim Carey and the Flintstones, Tim Carey, yeah, Tim Carey? Timothy Carey, the killing has a glory. Oh! Yeah, very good questions. Not necessarily very good answers. The truth is, we already got show. Yeah. So this is just extra stuff. We got we got more than enough info. How how long did we how long did we go? How much? Yeah, at least that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, at, at least he's honest. Yeah, at least he's honest. <laughs> <clears throat> Started off on the bottom and worked his way down from there. Sure. Yeah, we have more than enough for sure. I'm not asking the Scientology questions because they're sketchy. Okay, Alright, cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't know, but I've protested Scientology before. They have the biggest team of private investigators in the nation. They came to my dad's house, gave all of our neighbors a bunch of flyers telling them to kick us out of the neighborhood. Protesting Scientology is harder than the government sometimes. Weird. You know about uh, L. Ron Hubbard, his occult connect to, to um, Crowley. Yeah, but Alistair Crowley and uh, and uh, and uh, what's it is uh, Jack L. Parsons. Well, I want to start off. I want us to start off with this question, just so you know it's about to hit you. Um, how about we start off with what do you think of Crowley? Was he a good person, a bad person? Because there's so oh. much disinformation out oh, yeah, there, yeah. and it seems to me like he's a yin yang. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll start with a little. All right, so Jordan Maxwell. What is allodial ownership? Well, <clears throat> first of all, understand that if you're a U.S. citizen, you do not own anything. If you, you, you paid your house off, you don't own it. Uh, you have an equitable interest in the property, but you don't own it. Only way you can own anything in America and actually own it is with something called allodial title, A-L-L-O-D-I-A-L, allodial, I think that's the way it's spelled, A-L-L-O-D-I-A-L, allodial title. Allodial title means God cannot touch it, no one, because it's absolute owned by you. But if you don't buy your car, your jet plane, your boat, your house, whatever it is, and have an allodial, allodial title, then you don't own it. And, and, and the, the authorities can come in and take your home anytime they want. <clears throat> it's interesting. Banks cannot touch anything that has an allodial title, cannot touch it. Government cannot touch it. No one can touch anything that is bought under allodial title. Go look it up in the dictionary. Or look it up in the law dictionary. A lodial title, very interesting. You, know, the Queen of England, everything she owns is in a lodial title. Means God can't touch it. Hmm. Yeah. So, and Americans can buy stuff in a lodial title. You just have to know how to do it. And what is the exact connection between the Queen, the House of Windsor, and the Catholic Church, and that whole, how do those <laughs> institutions? Well, uh, the Vatican, okay. if you remember that that for at least two thousand three hundred years, Rome starting with the Caesars of Rome, the Augustus Caesar, the first emperor, but for 2,300 years, Europe has been dominated by Rome. And then for 16, in the last 1,600 years, has been under the Catholic Church. The Holy Father is the Pontifex Maximus, which was a term given to the Caesars. Pontifex Maximus means the greatest bridge builder. Bridge builder. Uh, and so, uh, again, Rome has dominated Europe for 2,300 years, under the first of the Roman Empire and then under the Vatican. And for 2,300 years, Europe has dominated the planet. So therefore, all roads lead to Rome. <laughs> and so that's why, again, when we were talking about the Jewish thing, uh, the Jews are not doing anything near <laughs> what the... Uh, Whatever is going on out there, don't worry about the Jews. You better look at the Vatican. <laughs> For 2,300 years, Rome has ruled Europe, and Europe has dominated the world. There's where the power is. <laughs> the Holy Father, nothing holy in Rome. He represents God. That's why all, the, the, all of the, uh, the royalty will tell you that they have a divine right. We mean divine right. That implies God put you there. No, divine right comes from the idea that the Pope anointed you. The Pope said you could be prince, so now you have a divine right. Why? Because he represents God. You say, what What God? Because that, that Pope's tiara he wears is a fish, is a fish head. 
The Roman Catholic Church is worshiping an old god named Dagon, D-A-G-O-N, Dagon. Dagon is the god of the Roman Catholic Church. But happily, most people have no idea who Dagon was. I have no idea what I'm talking about. So everything is fine until you wake up one day and start doing your homework and find out that Roman, the Roman god Dagon is the god of the Roman Catholic Church today. That's a real story. D-A-G-O-N. Go do some homework on it. <laughs> yeah. So what is Project Bluebeam, and has it been exposed to the point where it is not a viable option for the elitists addicted to hierarchy? Well, Project Bluebeam, um, I, I can't even remember what it was about. I, I heard we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago, and I don't even remember exactly what it was all about. All right, cool. But it, it all has to do with the with the presence, extraterrestrial presence. All of these little projects like this, um, Project Blue Book and all this has to do with the UFO alien presence. And I am telling you, there's no doubt in my mind at all that there is an ex extraterrestrial or alien presence on the Earth today. There's no doubt in my mind about it. I've heard, I've seen too many things with my own eyes. I've heard way too many stories from important people from all over the world. I've traveled around the, the, the earth. And I've heard way too many stories from very important people, very well-grounded, highly intelligent uh, people, professionals, who tell me on one-on-one, uh, you know, stories about their one-on-one -on -one, uh, encounters with aliens. So I have to assume that too many, there's too much smoke about to be a fire. And I'm telling you, there are aliens right now here in this city. Are us humans aliens or the um, results of... Yeah, I think, that the, I think we are the result. I have often said that uh, the word uh, that is used uh, is incorrect. Uh, we, we talk about evolution. Evolution is not the subject you need to know about. Evolution is not important. What is important is is uh, intervention, not evolution. And speaking of intervention, who are the Anunnaki? Oh yeah, yeah. Because, well, if you go back to the Bible and the uh, and and uh, and I believe that both the Old and New Testament is an encoded story. That's a whole different subject. But I believe that the Old and New Testament, especially the New Testament, is an encoded metaphor. It's encoded. Telling you something real important, but you walk right past it. That's why the Bible has Jesus saying, you look with your eyes, but do not see. You listen mm -hmm. with your ears, but you don't hear. And with the heart, you don't get the sense of it. In other words, go back and read it. It doesn't say what you think it said. And so when God, which is actually Elohim in the plural, and God said, come, let us make man in our image after our likeness. It's in Genesis. Rabbi Marvin Antelman, many, many years ago, I used to sit and talk with him, and other rabbis, uh, teachers I've sat and talked with for hours, <clears throat> they brought out to me, this is back in the mid-60s, that uh, I was told, and nowhere in the Bible does, does it say that God created man. Nowhere. It does not say in the Bible anywhere that God created man. What it says in Genesis is that God created Adam, Adam, not man. And so it's, uh, the scripture actually says, come, let, uh, that God said, come let us, who's us? Come let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so Christians say, well, see, there's God creating man. And Rabbi Antelman said, no, no, that's not, that's not what he said. Go back and read it. It says, come let us make man in our image after our likeness. Not make man, man's already here, but come let us make him in our image, after our likeness. And then later on it says that God says, uh, the God said, here man has become as one of us. He knows too much. You know, he's getting too smart. He's become as one of us. What do you mean us? But very interesting is that in Genesis 9, the first, you know, first words in Genesis 9 talks about uh, after the flood of Noah's day, when God says to Noah and his family, his wife and three sons and three, and three wives, there's eight people on board the ark, and the Bible says that God says to Noah, after the flood, go forth, multiply, and replenish the earth. So I asked the rabbis, I said, is this a correct uh, translation when it says go forth, multiply, and replenish the earth? Yes, that's correct. 
And I said, well, then that means do it again, because re means do it again. Yes, this is correct. Obviously, and one rabbi said to me, well, obviously, uh, if God has destroyed all of mankind with a great flood, and if you want to have people on the earth, you're going to have to replenish the earth. Not plenish, replenish, do it again. And I said, okay, that makes sense. But what about in Genesis 1.28, when God is creating Adam, and he says to Adam and Eve, go forth, multiply, and replenish the earth. The word is replenish. And I said, why I thought that this is the first man and woman? And the rabbi said, no, it was not the first man and woman. He's telling the Adam to replenish the earth, do it again. And that's why, and we got into this conversation, because in Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, the gods created the heavens and the earth. But very interesting, in Genesis 1.2, says, and the earth was without form and void. And rabbis will tell you, what does that mean? That God creates the earth and it's without form and void? What does that mean? God creates something that has no form and it's void. No, it's a mistranslation. The English were great, but the king's English, they didn't know that much about Hebrew. Now we know a better about the Hebrew language. And so the word in the Genesis 1-2 was tohu vavohu. Tohu vavohu is translated, uh, mistranslated, and was without form and void. No, go back and read it correctly. Genesis 1-2 actually says, using the term tohu vavohu, is and uh, and the earth became a waste and a desolation. Not was without form and void. That means nothing. Became a waste and a desolation. And it's interesting that in Jeremiah, the fourth chapter in Jeremiah, I think it's Jeremiah four, where the prophet Jeremiah says, "I was sleeping on my bed, and God gave me a vision of the earth." And the earth was filled with beautiful uh, animals and beautiful cities. And there were great structures, but there was no man on the earth. And I said, wait a minute. The earth is filled with beautiful structures and beautiful animals, but there was no man on the earth? That's right. That's what it says in, Je <laughs> in Jeremiah. Well, then who the hell was here then if it wasn't man? And it says that, but it was the it was the the meeting place of the gods, the meeting place of the Elohim, and so and then it goes on to say in in, in Jeremiah four, I saw the earth when it was a beautiful meeting place with beautiful cities, but there was no man, and then Jeremiah says, and then I saw tohu vavohu, same word that was used in Genesis one two, I saw the earth and it became a waste and a desolation. So what the scripture is actually saying is that the earth was a beautiful paradise of some kind of an incredibly gorgeous and beautiful paradise on the earth many, many hundreds of millions of years ago, hundreds of thousands of years ago, who knows, but it became a waste and a desolation, which implies that there must have been some kind of a star wars. <laughs> Some kind of a of a war began on Earth, and we're now seeing all the the, the 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 you know the repercussions of that all around the world. Do you think the Star Wars is still going on between so-called good and bad aliens? No doubt, in my mind about it. Absolutely, I think that there is a war going on now for the very life and soul of the human creature. We are, uh, you know, we have been created by someone, and whoever came here. Like the Bible says, uh, come, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Well, that means that we look like our creator. Well, that makes sense because in Genesis uh, 18, uh, Genesis 18, when, when you know, the, the scripture talks about the, New, uh, the Old Testament about uh, uh, Abraham and Sarah, and the scripture says that Abraham and Sarah were, were at their tent and three men come walking up into their camp. And, and Abraham went out and bowed down on, 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 down on the ground and said, what is my Lord saying to his servant? So he's bowing down to somebody very powerful. Well, it's just three men. And then he says, that, and then the Bible says that uh, the, the, the three men said that they were on their way to take care of some business and they didn't have time to stop. And it says Abraham insisted that these three men stop at least and have dinner and then they could go. And so the scripture says, are they, uh, the, 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 the spokesman for the three said, all right, but make it quick. You know, we're, we're busy. 
And so it says that, that Sarah fixed dinner for these three men, and then after dinner, two of them got up and left, and the one stayed there, and the one that stayed to talk for a while with Abraham was the Lord in capital letters in the Bible, Maritime Admiralty. The capital letters means the Lord, mm -hmm. not a Lord, the Lord. So it was the Creator. And that's why, you know, when the Bible says that Adam and Eve will walk with God in the, in, the, in the cool of the evening, the very word in Hebrew for walk with God, the word in Hebrew means uh, stepping on leaves, stepping on branches. So that when it says God walked and talked with Adam in the cool of the evening, <clears throat> yeah, he walked with him. He actually walked with him. You could hear him walking. It implies that God is the gods. And who are these gods? Well, whoever they are, they said, come, let us make man. He's already here. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So they procreated. They took some of their DNA out of their bodies and put him into a female hominid, hominid creature, Neanderthal creature, whatever, and impregnated a female. And let's see what she gives birth to. Some of us in her. <laughs> yeah. And so eventually there was, she would give birth to a different kind of creature, which was hominid, uh, Neanderthal, but also uh, a, a little bit more elevated. Well, let's do it again. So then they, 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 they procreated with her again with a, and took, took that creature and mixed their DNA. And let's see what happens the next time. That's us. That's where we come from. Because we are not indigenous to this planet. Our, our skin is not indigenous to the planet. We, you know, we can't do what the animals do. The animals can stay out all night long uh, in, in Montana. 25 below zero animals next morning is still out there. Yeah, you go try it. Go out there and try for five minutes to stay in 25 below zero. Huh. Why? It's because our design of our body, our nervous system, the way we're created, half in the middle of your brain is called the reptilian. That's another subject. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's just so much about the human creature that we don't know. The man you really need to know about on that subject is a mind trip listening to him is a guy named... Um, Lloyd Pye, L-L-O-Y-D, last name P-Y-E. If he doesn't blow you out of the chair, nothing's going to